Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. We have begun a new calendar and another 25,000-year cycle as we journey into a new realm of reality through the windows in your mind. We now begin with the knowledge of humanity and its divine origins from intergalactic conversations from the past and present. Let us look through a window into the ever-evolving consciousness and explore new possibilities with our place in the cosmos and the quantum world. Grandmother Parisha of Cherokee Heritage reveals the wisdom of the ancient past that will lead us into a peaceful future. Experience the love and peace through the exceptional wisdom of Grandmother Parishat as she shares science and ancient knowledge merged together to benefit all of humanity. Greetings. This is Windows in Your Mind, and I'm Parisha, your host. We're having a lot of exciting things come across the communications as usual from the fan pages as well as the social media that you talk to me and ask your questions and we play a lot of back and forth with. So uh, make sure that you keep that going and I will answer them as dearly and closely as I can. And also there have been a few personal requests for me to get in touch with them personally due to some very serious situations. And if I can't, because I'm in ceremony, I do have somebody contact back and see what we can take care of as time becomes available. So know that you're not rejected and definitely very, very welcome. And that's what the show's all about. That's exactly what we do here on LO Radio Network. So when you're, when you're looking for places to go to find some answers to life as well as to reach to the other side, we're doing that right here on this radio network. Now, what I want to discuss is the questions that all of you have regarding the ceremonies that we have been promoting and saying we would like people to feel welcome to attend and so forth and on. Okay, what we're doing right now in the spring, coming into spring, is we are preparing for the major sun ceremonies that happen through the summer months. And there's preparation that happens with that where people who see things in a circle... And therefore, our life is cyclic, meaning we see ourselves evolving through all of the many cycles of nature, as well as the cycles of the universe, the stars, the skies, the particular focus of the moon and the sun. Okay, so as we're looking to begin our ceremonies come spring, we all know that spring is significant to life renewal beginnings and so forth and on. So basically, we start with a lot of our planting ceremonies, which means we either have uh, kivas or we have different places like storm cellars and stuff that are made that actually sets up for the spring shoots. So we do beans and squash. And at this point, there may even be some corn that's being planted for certain ceremonial needs. 
But all of that is done in a very ceremonial way. And we see a connection. And I'm not going to go into all of that on tonight's show. But each one of the things that we plant and we do ceremony on this time of the year is actually our relationship with the earth and with the plant nation. That's what we consider it being a plant nation, a, a particular people and life form of its own. And knowing that we eat and survive through the food chain with the particular plants and things that we plant. We do this through ceremony because life is life, you know. I have so many people discuss with me the difference between vegetarians and meat eaters and so forth and on. And and what I say to them is that everything is life. So I, I really don't care what you're taking in because any and everything you're taking in is some life form of another. So there's cannibalism involved in it, okay? Now, what do I think of meat? Well, I lean more toward being vegetarian myself simply because of the fact that I don't really get off on actually killing the animal and preparing it. So as a girl being raised, and even when it come my initiation time and I was supposed to do a particular ceremony to where I killed the rabbit, um, I didn't do too well with that. So basically there had I had to reroute and actually do some other things in order to actually come to being prepared in a ceremony that would allow me to advance to some of the particulars that my people felt I was here to do. So I lean more toward vegetarian dishes and foods because of that. But that is not to say that I have not ate my fair share of chicken. I do fish, okay, and I particularly don't care for the red meats because of health purposes and digestive purposes, okay. So basically when I'm doing any kind of meat, usually it's I stay pretty close to fish or I stay pretty close to turkey, which is my first choice, and if not turkey, then chicken. And so when we're doing ceremonies, there's always a kitchen that's being prepared to where we offer at least one meal a day to all the people who come and support the ceremony. Now, the difference between powwow and ceremony is powwow is a public display to where there's actually competition going on, where people come that have actually enhanced their traditional dances or made steps up to actually create new parts of the dance and compete for such. And for that, I don't know that there's any particular cultural uh, persuasion to that. Uh, it could be any people's dance that's been added on to and everything. But the point is, powwow is for entertainment and competition. Okay, ceremony, none of that kind of stuff happens, okay? Ceremony stays very, very true to the original steps and particular traditions of the ceremony, okay? And everything that's done around a ceremony stays very traditionally pure. So let's make sure that, because some people were commenting on things, and I realize they're talking about a powwow, not ceremony. Okay, so the ceremony actually is the time we know that we're connecting to the greater hoop. And that means all of the ancestral lines as well as time before time, as well as present time. Okay, so time is a loop. Like I said, everything is a circle for us. And a prayer that we say very frequent, one that's kind of embedded in my brain is life is a cycle. A cycle is a circle. And in the circle, all things return to where they began. 
okay? So we live that knowing that as each season and year passes, we're up one ring or one more circle on the spiral of time and evolution. And so when we come to ceremonies, that's all attached to a history and to a lineage and to a tradition that maintains itself even in these modern days and times. There are definitely people who live in the Pueblos, like the Hopi, who live in the homes they did for four to 10,000 years. They have not modernized. They do not have electricity. They do not have a toilet facilities or anything like that. They, they live in a little stone house that could possibly one, if at most, two rooms, okay? And they live very much outdoors and in, in the circle of community in their villages. And their villages are called pueblos. Same word, different language, okay? So that at this time, those people are also getting ready for the cyclic uh, ceremonies by actually seeing them getting started right now with bean dances and certain dances to where they're planting for their various reasons. They're preparing for a season that has been foreseen by particular very gifted seers or very, very perceptive people that are in community. These people sometimes bring messages forward that actually affects our cultural dances and our seasonal choices. So the particular time is set. I mean, everything's measured by moon cycles in particular. You know, when, when we have the ceremonies is actually definitely brought on by particular positions of constellations as well as moon cycle times and days. So, like I said, everything is given an inclusion of nature, all of nature, all the animals, all of, all of the energy. And so for us, we see everything as life, okay? And energy, everything in any sciences that you're studying will tell you everything is energy. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's something that don't move and it's inanimate. It still is a field of energy to exist and have a manifestation or a material existence. It's energy. And most of you, I'm sure, know that because you're probably very well read in on that. Well, for us, when it comes to the food source of that, we realize it would not matter what we're partaking of. If it's a slice of bread or whatever, it still come from life, okay? And that life has to be recognized and given gratitude and appreciation. Also an understanding of sacrifice, okay? And then all of that's put into what we do with our food sources. So I remember as a young girl in the garden, and I remember one of the visitors that had come that my grandmother was assisting at the time, was helping us harvest some of what she called her kitchen garden, which means all of the things that she kind of included over the day, her herbs, the lettuce, the other things that we ate pretty much on a daily basis. And the question had come, you know, about what meats we use and how do we go about eating the meats and how come we're eating and, you know, is it better that we're not eating the meat or whatever. I, I don't know the exact words of the conversation. I just remember it had to do with meat and vegetables. And I remember as she was moving along, you know, pinching off this little piece here and there, that she was doing her usual chant, that even when she pinched off the tip of an herb to include in the meal, she sang these prayers, these prayers of thanksgiving, of recognition and understanding that life is here and life is precious, all life. And as she was doing this, this person had asked her that. 
And she says, does anyone know that the tomato screams as loud as the calf? And that never has left me, you know, as I realize I've come to be very sensitive to plant life and plants definitely communicate. And I realized exactly what her point was. So when we come to the questions of whether as natives or indigenous people or people of spiritual practices, if we're feeling we need to be more vegetarian than than meat eaters or whatever, I believe the importance is, is that the food is blessed and given recognition. And at that point, to eat with an open heart and a feeling of all good things, to sit there and eat anything with a sense of guilt is not going to be healthy. So whatever your choices are, you must be settled in your mind and your heart that what you're doing is definitely in respect and definitely in the name of goodness and healthy for your body. And then, like I said, in in, in any instance to where you're taking, whether it be all vegetables, where it be grain, seeds, or whatever, it is all life and needs to be recognized as such and given a level of respect that comes with that. So with that question answered, I hope that that helps everybody. So when we come into ceremony, then the other question was, okay, is there a great deal of fasting that goes on? Well, every particular peoples have their own, okay? There, there's certain requirements for initiations and certain requirements for ceremonial involvement and everything. And basically, most ceremonies are prepared for months ahead. And I do mean months ahead because we live a calendar year, a solar year. So each particular passing of time and every day is an inclusion. We live life, the totality of a life in a day. So in a day, we actually encompass all four cardinal directions and the understanding of the sun and the moon and the the universe. It's part of our life. So we live a very full day to where every day would be a Sabbath. We don't just see Sunday as a Sabbath. Every day is Sunday, the day the sun comes out, okay? And so we live fully in a day. So as we age and come of different ages, we we have our story or our unfolding, which is definitely in many ways told in necklaces and jewelry and pottery and everything as we capture particular outstanding points of a day in our life. Now, when we come into ceremony and doing our ceremonies, we also pay attention to how much time has to go into preparing the body and the mind. And and this is this is so relevant to everything you do, beloveds. Everything that makes makes the difference in where we're saying we want to go and actually saying how we want to live and have our being. Okay, I have people who come to me for meditation purposes and will ask, you know, well, I've I've been doing half-hour meditations for like 15 years and I don't feel I've ever acquired a level of meditation. And I say, I fully understand that and more than likely you haven't because the mind and the clock knows that you only gave it a half hour and it can divert you enough. It's never going to let you acquire the level of nothingness that you want and is usually the goal of a meditator, okay? So you know, setting, you set enough time aside or you take a sabbatical of time to where the mind has no place to run to actually divert your focus and your intent. And in that, there has to be you willing to sit for more than a half hour, and in some cases, sitting for hours. And in meditation, pet meditation, one wants to be relaxed 
So there's a lot of things that I would explain with that, but I want to answer to this question, and that's that you have to give meditation its time, and you have to overcome all of the body's resistance. So the body is going to do everything it can to distract you, give it a half hour, and it will master that. The mind will make up all kinds of distractions with everything in the world to take you into a different thing, thinking frame. So there has to be a good measure of time and a couple of hours to three hours. I know some people who's taken as much as four hours before they could actually settle down and feel that they had finally just given up. I say relax, they say I gave up. Okay, so we could do it, look at it either way. I would imagine it is sort of a surrender. Okay, but then they actually feel that once they spent the time to say, I'm not stopping until I acquire the level of meditation I'm going for. And then after a while, the mind gives up and so does the body. And then we have the level of, of uh, nothingness or the level of silence and the void that we're seeking. Okay, when we go into coherence, we have actually entered a place to where the body mind and the body is not talking and doesn't have any power at all. So as we're looking at that, putting that now back to ceremony, we do the same thing in ceremony. So when we say how much time or how many days or what kind of program do you have to be in certain ceremonies, Every ceremony that I know I'm involved with takes a good 28 days, a full cycle of the moon, to actually get prepared in all the things that we begin to do. One of the things, especially for the dances and the activity, the ones that require a lot of physical motion and time on your feet, is definitely preparing yourself. If you've been kind of sedentary through the winter, you get up and you start moving around and you build the strength in your legs and your body to actually take you through the hours of dancing and ceremonial activity. Okay, so that, that obviously makes sense. And then we start that as soon as we can get out and we start making longer runs. Now, in my particular childhood, we lived outside and did winter pretty much as much as we did summer. We were moving around, doing things so you know, getting the body prepared didn't take as much in those times because I was always active anyway, okay? These days I do take more time doing as much as I travel and a lot of the sitting that I do in circle and stuff. So I do prepare myself physically for that. And then we come into the fasting. Well, basically what I do is I first do a detox and that I use many herbs and stuff and we'll do a real thorough detox before I'm going into ceremony. And then with that, I start doing a whole lot of chanting and getting into the right mindful state, okay? And then for that, I stay focused. What I mean by focus is that I realize that I am in ceremonial mode, and then I conduct myself as ceremonial mode. So there's a lot of activities that I wouldn't do. You know, I would not get myself very involved in TVs or radio or you know, electricity or anything. You start pulling yourself out away from the field of energy that brings all the static and the turbulence. You begin to get more into a sublime place with yourself as well as what you're putting in the body. You put the same kind of energy feed in the field as you would putting it into your body. So as I eliminate food 
different foods and minimize my food intake to where most of the ceremonial time that I'm actually in activity, I eat a particular uh, based bread that has many names but is, is actually made with cornmeal and some eggs. Sometimes there will I will actually include the beans and the squash and the corn, but that's very, very seldom. Okay, so the water and the bread is basically the fast that I maintain through my ceremonial time. Now, remember, I'm only speaking for myself there. You know, if you go tell somebody else this, they say, well, that's not what I do, and she's not right, or whatever. No one is actually in the same place. Every particular people, every particular family on the reservations actually have a different way they do things than the other families. So there can be a little bit of uh, what I would consider some political differences sometimes when I hear the scramble that happens. I just don't take time for that. So if you, like I said, if I'm telling you purely how I would go about it. Now, people who have studied and actually like to do some of the cyclic ceremonies with us, they actually go through the same thing. They begin to purge and detox and get off of certain food items that create a lot of different energy in the body and do purification and then begins to move into, you know, just having a pure mind, a pure body as best that one can prepare themselves and then holding the focus of exactly what the ceremony is and what the connection is and the value of it. And so many times when people tell me that they've had uh, experiences with, uh, uh, you know, some ceremony that they're doing or whatever, then they actually tell me that, you know, they didn't necessarily have to prepare or they didn't do anything different or, or the whatever's whatever's. And it's like, I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all because if anybody's saying that there aren't specifics do and should be fulfilled in order to do the ceremony, then I have no idea what they're trying to tell you that they're teaching you. Because to to do the ceremony, one must be in a spiritual set of mind, actually connected to the reasons why you would do this. Very important. Why do you want to do this? Okay? And then if there's something that says this is where my calling is, this is something that I know that I've been obsessing with or my passion has become very intense or whatever, there's people come to me with many reasons why they want to do that, and that's fine, okay? I cannot make anybody an Indian, okay? Nobody can. So when we do the dances and the ceremonies, and I hear a lot of what I would consider the full bloods, okay, they will look at non-native people and say these are wannabes or whatever. That's so far out of spiritual value, beloveds. Anybody, I don't care who they are and of what they are, saying anything that cruel or hurtful to anybody is not spiritual, is not spiritual, and is not at, at all what we are about or what this, what ceremonial life is and what we as a people are. This is something that has happened over the political differences and fighting and even some of the more militant activity of some of the organized people who claim to represent all Native Americans. This is not the way of indigenous life. There is a kindness, such a deep kindness and such an honoring. Now, even in this fact that there are some that are still very bitter 
and don't want to actually have a lot to do with anybody as non-natives participating in native stuff. Um, whilst they will agree nobody owns spirit, they do feel that spirit works in a certain way with some of them. And that's, you know, that's all honorable and I respect that, okay? But when we actually get to where we are feeling at this point that we have to close the doors and that if a person comes seriously and earnestly asking that they need to be refused because of skin, hair, color, you know, whatever. I That is not the way. And whoever's doing that, I don't know how they could possibly say that is the way. Inclusion and friendship and love is all I've ever found in the true people of indigenous bloodlines. Now, like I said, there's a whole lot of other stuff out there. So what you're getting involved with, you'll have to handle it as you come up on it. But it's not real if it has any kind of prejudice, bias, or judgment on it. And even after all that has been the history between our country and the original peoples of this land, there's still some bitterness and they'll do their best to overcome it, but sometimes they just need to talk it out. And I feel that that's becoming less and less as the young people of today are growing up and it isn't something they want to hear, so therefore they don't focus on that and it, they begin to move past it. Are there justifications for some of the particular uh, changes that are needed? Yes, and we're moving with that. But we have to move with that to, uh, in a way that we can maintain our own dignity and respect. So that's all being worked out. But for a non-Native person to actually begin to work with what we would consider Native ceremony, if your heart's pure, and your intention is definitely one of spiritual love and interest. I don't know of any reason why someone would refuse you. Now, again, I don't speak for everybody. Please pay attention to that. And I'm not a full blood by no means. Okay, so you need to be, like I said, in respect of whatever you're pursuing and whoever that is and their particular profile or feeling on these things. But in the people I have met and have worked with me in ceremony that would be considered non-natives, I find and help them find the particular roots of their own identity and help them come to the dances and the ceremonies representing those particular ancestral lines that they hold. And what I find a lot, especially in the U.S. and on the particular coastline of those who are original families, I would say here, okay, a lot of them come in from England, so therefore there's the Irish and there's the Scottish and there's the Dutch and there's the Germans and there's Polish uh, bloodlines that very much have a very strong spiritual history of themselves. And I've researched this very thoroughly. They have very strong Celtic roots, and when I studied deeply on the Celtics, because on my side there's some of that as well, and when I looked into that to be very clear on everything, I found out that the Celts did rock lodges and actually lived the cyclic life the same as what the indigenous people did. So I think that when you go far enough back in time, and I want to change that, I know when you go back far enough in time, that you find we all were of a one people. And that life as it was, was the way for all of us. So I think that as we begin to separate and wander off into 
uh, closed places of ourselves. We've lost a lot of that interconnectedness. But I also know that in all the ceremonies I've seen over the last three years, it's coming back in very, very strong. And uh, I, like I said, I, I feel the young people and the, the new incoming generations have a lot to do with that. The openness and the, the, the desire to actually move ahead but hold to that which is of themselves and, and their own roots. I feel all of that's playing into this very, very good. And so I'm very happy to see that happening. Now, people have asked me in the ceremonies, how can we participate if we don't really want to do the ceremonies? Well, for you to hold your little circles, like to have two or more, uh, you know, to actually during the time of our particular ceremonies, and we have those days scheduled, of course, we feel that that has an impact on time. And as we've studied and seen, some of our more scientific, technical, scientific friends have told us there actually becomes to show a difference in the Earth's aura in the satellites that measure the energy field of the Earth when we're in those particular modes of activity and mindset. So obviously that's working. That's that's right on, okay? So basically with you, you know, for you to sit down at those particular times and be involved in however you want to uh, relate to that. Maybe you have certain traditional ceremonies yourself or maybe you've been introduced to some ceremonies that you move and resonate to very strongly or maybe you've just sat and found some way you like to pray and and present yourself spiritually and all of that being what makes your life whole and moves you forward. Well, these are good times, you know, set it up and set up times with yourself if you can only be alone or with two or more, like I said, and contribute those particular mindset times so that you're connected to the energy that we're putting out. One of the most powerful things that's happening today, and I would hope with all my heart you all get more involved and definitely participate with every opportunity you have, is that there's so many global prayer networks being set up to where on certain times and dates and stuff we're actually having global effect around the the world where people actually apply themselves to a meditation for peace or harmony and this works i mean if the auric field of the planet is affected by this kind of activity what else do we need i mean if you're a person that can't believe in spiritual stuff because you can't touch it grab it put it in a can or a container fine then listen to the technology that's supporting it get with it the point is get involved and do it you count you make a difference that fingerprint says there's only one of you and obviously that one of you needs to be involved in applying itself so let's get with that and get with any prayer and circle activity of meditation that's you see you know i get a slew of that that comes through the social media and i participate and the days that they have, I participate in every one of them. We're actually looking to working with a couple of people that we know to actually see if we can't get a monthly one going so that everyone can actually set the time and have a regular time to where we can make that. Because I know that that's what's going to change what we would like to see different on the earth and in the earth and in its people. Okay, so let's look at it for that. But at, like I said, for the ceremonies, if you can't attend and you're, you're, you know, you're in no way participating 
as far as doing the ceremony or supporting it physically, then sit down with your group and people and actually take some of the time that the ceremony is going on to put your energy to the mindfulness and let it be. Let it be a contribution to that. Other people have asked about the fact that do we need donations and monetary contributions. That all helps, but right now I don't feel that I want to go out into actually doing that. We get, you know, it seems that every year while the need gets greater, and I can't say that as ceremonialists we don't think about that, we actually start putting out prayers and work that, you know, all will be taken care of and all will come to be as it needs to be. And what happens every year is that everything is met, every mouth is fed, everything comes to completion as it needs to, and things are done. And there are wonderful ways that we can actually gift many of the elders that have to come some distance sometimes to actually attend some of the ceremonies. We can actually give them the comfort of transportation a good place to sleep and definitely take care of them well. So all these things work to fit, you know, the need, and, and that's just the way it happens. That's the way it's supposed to happen. So we we would appreciate that, but like I said, the other part of it is just be willing to do something on your own. And I, I have this wonderful priest that I've been friends with for, oh my goodness, it has to be 35 years now who actually just, he's on the days that I'm in ceremony, and it has been going on in our relationship, on every ceremony that I'm in, he lights a candle, and he prays during that time, and sometimes he sings different religious songs that he that are very meaningful to him. Well, all the time he tells me he envisions me doing the dance, and he compliments me, you know, heavily with being graceful and so forth and on. And he just holds that in his heart and puts it forward. And the beautiful thing of that is when I'm dancing, the day that he chooses to participate and the time that he does, I feel him. And it's at that time I will have one of the assistants with me to get in touch with him, to text him and say, I picked you up and I feel you and I'm definitely in you know, great gratitude for all that you do. And it's always right on time. I mean, we're connected that well, and it and it, that connection goes like different people who will ask for prayers and for things, you know, particular things they need for healing, uh, for world, you know, and countries that we need more peace and less turbulence and stuff. Every time we do our ceremonies, the outcome to that shows. You can just listen to the news the next day, and everything we just put out is measured, and there it is, you know. So... These things work, and you're needed in that. Every one of us participating in that finally brings everything around to where it makes sense. As I drive across country and I watch the landscapes that are moving, and we drive through the cities, and I see the congestion, and I see the people, and everybody wandering around. And, and one of the things with the cities that makes me feel just a bit unrest is how impersonal everyone is to anyone else. You know, it's like when I walk down a street or something in the different cities we go to and I'm smiling and I nod my head and say hello to people who look back at me. They never know what to do. You know, they, they look very uneasy at that time. And my husband had said to me, maybe you shouldn't be so outwardly friendly. You know, I don't know that that person felt easy about you 
acknowledging them and, you know, saying hello. And I said, I, I can't live my life trying to deal with that. What I, what I have to live my life doing is knowing whether they felt easy about it or not. I was, I was there, I acknowledged seeing them, and I gave them what I would consider all good things. And he, you know, said, well, whatever, but I think sometimes people feel uneasy, and I have to agree with them. I'm sure that some of you have found that, that the happier you seem and the more at peace that you are, people are suspect of that. And they actually think you're either on drugs or something's wrong with you, you know. I actually had a lady tell me that when she had met this one beautiful, one beautiful person that was traveling with us that she's very uneasy with him because he's always so joy you know joyful and always so talkative and wanting to help and so kind and everything and she asked me if he was retarded and it's like for a while I just couldn't say anything just looking at her and it's like why do you feel that he's retarded and she says well normal people don't act like that and it's like well I don't know about what's normal people but I know he's not retarded and I would hope that anybody that doesn't show the joy of life and the love that they feel I feel that's a retardation and so basically she kind of reconsidered herself at that point and actually apologized to me later and I told her not not necessary if that's been your experience I'm glad you shared that with me because at that point, I can only assure you, his his actions are genuine. That's just who he is, and that's how much he cares, and he loves people. He would he would bend backwards to help you in whatever he could, you know. And that's just who who you who we are, you know. You want to begin to realize that we we the more of us that are willing to right now make that difference is show it. Big people. It's like I've had a person who's come to six particular ceremonies with me so far in the last five years. And she finally come up to me and said, I was terrified of you for the first year or two. She says, when you came in and you were so joyful and you were so robust in your, your, your goodness and your laughter, your smiles, your whole presence, it was just an announcement. And she was going through all this and she said, it horrified me. And she said, and when you went around hugging everybody then, she said, I hurried and made sure that I got out of the way, that you didn't hug me, you know. And she said, it all through the ceremony and everything, and I watched you. And she said, I could not believe that anybody could be as into it as you were. I believed you were pretending. And she said, so I, I came back the second year only to see that you had changed, and that was all pretense, only to find the same thing. And she said, you know, by the third year, I was so taken with it all that I was the first one you hugged because I was the first one in line. That makes a difference to me. Down deep inside my very being and every cell of my body, that's so meaningful to me. That one who felt she needed to stand aside, one that did not feel included or could not be inclusive and included could actually turn that corner and be very open to walking into that kind of love and light. I love people, and I have had a lifetime of people being suspect of that, and I really don't let it hold me back. And so finding her story, and sometimes I speak when I'm in a crowd and I realize how very, what I would consider locked up, 
they are. I speak to them about that story and that to help them relate and kind of relax. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's really about the fact that it takes more of us willing to reach out to that. I have I've known a man now probably 15 years. He still can't hug. He's gotten where, though, he hold, when he shakes hands, he doesn't just shake hands. When he takes my hand or anybody's hand, especially when he's shaking, you know, I'll reach out to shake his hand, and he'll put his, both his hands over my hand and hold it for a while. And I realize that every time, it's 15 years, I remember how many years it was that he was the one standing in the back, would never come forward for the hugging or the acknowledgments or anything. And at least now he's there and he puts his hand out and he holds our hand in both his hands very warmly and very strong. And, you know, there's such a nice grip to it that he's coming around. And I can only look at someone like that and ask myself of what life could a person live that would shut them off so much and lock them out like that. And that's my goal, not to ever walk away and think that I didn't do everything I could to help change that because life is so precious and so beautiful and that we need to understand the gift that it is how very temporary it is and the gift that it is and so going along on the highways and streets and in the cities i often just look and wonder what are what what are we doing that we have come to be separated beings even in our own countries in our own cities in our own whatever our own is okay that we have leaders that are bickering and threatening war you know what about the people in these countries i have there is not a piece of dry land on this planet that i have not visited in my lifetime and there's nothing but people that i have met there and those people feel the same as any one of us do. Their focus is on family and survival and thriving and all of the wonderful things that life is. And I would not wish to harm any of them, let alone blow anybody up or anything else. And I I have to constantly look at the land and how much land and go through the little towns where, you know, there's such beautiful little places where people have, uh, you know, their homes and so forth and on and realize people the people's people all want the same thing you know i have no problem that you don't speak my language i don't have any problem that you have physical differences you know i don't none none of that is important to me it's important to me do you understand that i care it's important to me that i don't want you to ever feel hurt harmed i don't if any way thing i can do i don't ever want you to do without you know, and so basically to realize that we need to focus a lot of our prayer time and this year's ceremonies is exactly focusing on that to bring our leadership to the intelligence of understanding that all this political strife and all this underhanded covert activity that is happening within all the governments. There is no government that is getting it right, okay? They're all in the same game. And it's like a friend of mine says, well, you understand how that all came about. And I said, well, I don't know that I understand it. I realize there's a history there. And his particular perspective of it was, well, back in the early days when this all came about and there were the kings and the royalty and the landowners, you know, they their motive 
for sending people in boats to different shorelands was to go and find the particular indigenous people of all these lands. But the whole thing was about acquiring more gold and riches in order to be stronger and more powerful. And then it went from that to actually involving not so much the royalty, but then what replaced the royalties were the governments. But that same mode of thinking is there. And it's like, but that comes up, you know, beloved, that's coming somehow from us that we support our leaders to think like that. You know, that as long as we, we're threatening somebody because of this or that, and then like we have all these nuclear threats, what same person believes that any country that sets off a nuclear or anything is going to be of any safer place than the ones that they just hit? You know what I mean? And so it's gotten to where this insanity has to be rethought. That's up to you and I. You know, the greater consciousness will have its effects. And that's where we need to apply ourselves, the thinking you do every day. What are you thinking? How many times do you catch yourself being prejudiced or say something cruel about a person in the manner of their difference than, than yours? You know, changing, that's where it begins. And actually beginning to, to understand that there is a oneness to everything and there is a supreme intelligence in whatever sacred name you give it that is connected to all of us, that we, there is nothing but one scripture after another that says we are the children or the offspring of this supreme intelligence. Well, are we acting like that? You know, are we actually doing things that sounds intelligent? You know, to have, have our countries fighting each other? You know, what what happens to the open marketplace that each country in all of its particular variances could be complementary like you know I know that I'm being very uh, probably over positive here for some of you but I you know to me I daydream of the time when our countries will be like attending a great bazaar to where you have different ethnic representation and different you know foods and different clothing and different dance and different celebration and everything and that being a place to where we can all be the whatevers, and actually complement each other. I don't like the word competition. To compete always brings out the very source of energy that I am not comfortable with. It brings out something in us that will, that's willing to harm or suppress in order to have of ourselves something more. And I don't like the word competition. So I do like compliment, to be complementary or to complement. And to compliment is to not just, you know, like we have what we consider the ball game and we play ball and stuff to become better. And, of course, to whoever is the most fittest in that is going to, to win. But whether that be me or somebody else, if I lose on that, it's not through competition that it lost. It's that I wasn't as prepared as that person was. Therefore, at this point, I'm not doing as good a, a you know, particular tryout or a win that they did. But anyway, those are things that are happening in the ceremonial world of my life and the traveling I'm doing. So each week, like uh, there's some of this particular show that's actually being recorded sitting in a car for the sound effects that my producer needs and then 
Uh, some more of the finishing of it is here at my home as I've now arrived here to repack and get back on the road tomorrow. But these are my choices. This is how I want to spend my lifetime and have been doing this for 55, 56 years now. Wouldn't change any part of it. And that I truly seek to help change people's lives and show them a better way to give them a better chance, to give them a better choice. And uh, I appreciate you, because in listening to the show, I'm sure you have to be like-minded in some way or another to listen to all the things I discuss and share with you. And that's so very, very important to me. And that you count, that you matter, and that wherever you may be, know that when I say my prayers, I include all of the children. I include all of the people. And so at this point, you know, always know that there's something from here coming to you for sure, okay? And that you live fully each day. Make the most of every breath you take and make sure that you're staying in the positive. Been working a lot with actually some of the things, and and it's fit very well in the ceremonial preparation and stuff that I'm involved with, is that we're actually working at the home base with working with uh, the Law of Attraction book that Michael Lozier has wrote. And uh, we'll be following up with that on uh, the Quantum Leap book club. So please tune in for that and actually share that with us. But one of the things that has become very clear and is handled very much in the way the indigenous perspective or the native way of looking at that is that there, there is the good and then there is the bad or there is the positive and there is the negative. And that we're very clearly having to look at the fact there's no middle road to that. You either are or you're not, okay? And yes, it's either this or it is not at all. So you want to begin to look at yourself and start hearing how often you catch yourself in negative thinking or judgmental thinking or angry or bitter things that you're thinking. And how often do you actually see yourself always remembering Okay, to remember says that you have to still be living and thinking in the past. And as we do the ceremonies, that becomes very relevant to us doing ceremony. Because this is a time that we have chose to actually connect to all of that past history. So it's actually keeping what we call the sacred hoop. So when we go from the first world, because right now, as far as indigenous thinking, we are in the sixth world. So we actually realize that the connection that we do in ceremony is going back through all time to the beginning and to the first word and to the purest of time. And then we bring that into this point of time, which is, like I said to you, would have to include being open and inclusive, loving and caring. Friendship is a powerful word amongst us. So when there are people who choose to get into the negative and send people away or say hurtful things, this is not bringing the first world forward. So I I have no notion how to explain what has changed for them, okay? But I know for this that the ceremony is how we reconnect to the purest of time, their very beginnings, when the innocence of what is life is still truly with us and that we choose to bring that back and make that part of today 
and that we hold to those things. So we see it always as the beauty way. We explain it as the beauty way and the, the pure heart, the pure mind. And so when we're doing that, we realize that then to stay into coherence and be just present, that we now evaluate in our life and in ourselves how are we still holding that and have we still got that connection. And then that lets us know that we're in a good place and to move forward. But with each and every person, whether that's what you're doing or not, you still want to be in the state of mindful focus of being positive. And then as you lift yourself into that state, you lift others. You have effect on others. The field begins to change and consciousness sees the difference. And that's really what we're working with and what we're all striving for. And I feel that the more you say, I read a letter that one of a very spiritually oriented soul that I've known, not don't have a lot of contact with, but I've met her over the years a couple of times, wrote a letter to our President Trump and actually was talking about some of the intention of holding to spiritual values and being a country that shows the actual outcome of those spiritual values. And I thought it was so well written and so beautifully done. And I was so happy to know that she often writes letters like this to our leadership. Just think if we're all doing that, that finally when they hear that there's all of us that's asking of the few of them to carry out our particular needs and persuasions, okay, that it's going to have effect. So pick up that pen and let the power of the word touch them by actually saying, and I don't mean start sounding off on your likes or your dislikes of the president or the who's and the what's and that. I'm saying just on the general level of the world and our country, let us represent the best of what we are as far as caring and being generous and being a country who actually is actually made up of the varieties of the world. So let us see ourselves clearly in that as we move forward. And like I said, as far as the ceremonial time and everything, please keep up and keep in touch. Make sure you get on the social media that's out there on our Law of Attraction Radio Network and actually the fan page that Jules has set up for us all. And stay close and Keep up with me on Facebook and bring me your questions and your thoughts. And also, like I said, should you need some personal help, don't hesitate to send out. I'm never too busy to reach into the heart of any need and help whatever I can do. Okay? And with that, I'm going to close today's show by saying to you, keep your head up, be strong, and keep your focus. May all good things always, always surround you. OCO. Thank you for listening to Grandmother Parisha on your journey to the windows in your mind. For further information or to contact Grandmother, please visit parishas-world.com. P-A-R-I-S-H-A-S-world.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, 
Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.